Hello, folks. This is Chopping It Up with CJ. I'm your host, Chris James, and this is episode seven of Weekside Wednesdays here in season three of the Chopping It Up with CJ podcast. For those of you all who are new to the show, welcome. For those of you all who have been here before, welcome back. Um, this is being recorded on, luckily enough, Wednesday, November 1st. Um, and go ahead and give me a follow um, on all social medias. My handle is at CJFlorida9. It's at CJ, the entire state of Florida, spelled out in the number nine. And don't forget to like and subscribe. Um, Give me an honest amount of stars. If you think it's five stars, that's excellent. If you think it's three, I got stuff to work on. So what do we do on this particular show? We go over topics in the NFL, sometimes college football, that really are meaningful to me on a personal level. Excuse me. Um, and just, I give my own flavor. This is kind of the wild card or freestyle uh, version of the show. So we're going to go ahead and jump into some stuff. Uh, I actually want to give a, a brief recap. Uh, last Wednesday, actually Thursday, um, I attempted to record an episode of Chopping It Up with CJ Weekside Wednesdays. I had some tech issues, and the tech issues were really frustrating because I had some good content. I, I felt strongly about that being one of my better shows, and unfortunately, it didn't record. So, I'm hoping that this particular one does actually record. Fingers crossed. All right? Um, so, we're going to jump into some topics. There's the big one that happened today. Well, actually, technically, it probably happened yesterday, late last night in its location, but it hit the East Coast today earlier. And that was the firing or parting of ways, however you want to position it, of Josh McDaniels, the head coach, and Dave Ziegler, the GM of the Raiders. Now, if you watched the Raiders this year, especially the last couple of games, you you knew something was just amiss. Um, they looked incomplete, they looked uninspired in certain places, and they looked frustrated. Um, what do I mean by that? Well, you look at the defensive side of the ball. Actually, the defensive side of the ball, you got a guy like Max Crosby. He, even if he's in the worst situation ever, is never going to look like he's not trying. And the defensive guys did look like they were trying. Actually, the defensive guys against a good Detroit team play really well. Marcus Peters with that pick six, baiting Jared Goff into the throw. That wasn't a great throw or decision, rather. Uh, you had the linebacking level still making plays out there, even with all the injuries they had suffered. And they were generating a decent amount of pressure, given how good Detroit's line was. On the offensive side of the ball, say what you will about Josh Jacobs. No, he's not the most explosive running back, but the guy did uh, do work last year and was first-team All-Pro as a running back. Some people might think that he wasn't worth the first-round pick or he's not that good. Others may think, you know, that he's worth it since he showed it last year. No matter who you are, though, there's no debate over whether Devontae Adams is one of the better receivers in the NFL and that offense looked disjointed um, from the head down. And generally, the head is the quarterback, but this is from the head coach. It seemed like bad communication. It seemed like odd play calling, decision making. And then you had a quarterback who 
listen, I can go ahead and say this about Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't know anyone who said a negative word who's actually met that person. I've never heard a teammate speak ill of him. It seems like he comes off as a good person. He's played some of the worst football at that position this year in the entire NFL. Not just the stats, but when you actually look at the games, he looks bothered, even when there's no actual pressure. It's like he's sensing pressure that's not there. Um, I think uh, trigger happy or paranoid would be the description if you were looking at Madden as to how he plays. It's it's the worst in the NFL. I don't care if you're a rookie like Tyler, um, like Tyson Bajant, or you know, people were saying stuff about Bryce Young, or you know, even Jared Goff who didn't have his best game on Monday night when he looked to be a little bothered. At least he was under pressure at those points. I've watched Jimmy Garoppolo this entire year in multiple scenarios not have actual pressure. It's faux pressure sometimes, and he just doesn't stand there and and do anything. This is not a toughness thing. I think he's uncomfortable, too. So a changing of the guard was necessary. Um, You don't root for people to lose their job unless it's for really good reason. And there's good reason, which poor performance is good reason there's really good reasons like you have a scandal attached to you or you've done something egregious or hateful to people now mcdaniels is on that former side he just didn't do a good job um and you've heard things about mcdaniels i'm not going to go into them but once you realize that there's a problem with a relationship you either try to fix it and i mean actually try to fix it not you know, lip service, fix it. You got to put in the work or you end it. Because if you're not progressing, what's the point? So I will give kudos, small kudos to the ownership group of the Raiders because they finally made a decision, even if it wasn't pleasant, I'm sure. They were now paying two coaches or well, at least one. And they might be paying a second uh, depending on how things go with Gruden's whole situation, but they signed McDaniels to a six-year contract. He didn't even make it through two. So that's a, a subtraction. Let's talk about some additions. This was uh, Tuesday was the deadline for um, trades in the NFL. You know, I think that's part of why Week Eight has its full slate of games and full slate of everyone. Just to make sure everyone gets that la- that last look at all parties involved. This is just theory. I don't know. Maybe it's true. Maybe it's not. But everyone gets a look at who's involved. And teams get to make business decisions based on their position. And no team in the entire NFL made more business decisions on the final day of free agency or, well, the trade, um, NFL trade uh, season than the Washington Commanders. Not only did they send one, but two former first-round defensive ends to different teams. And the funny part is both went in conference. Usually you hear people say, oh, well, they, they'll, they'll try to trade a, you know, over in the other conference or you know, definitely not in division. Well, you trade where you get the best value. That's what you do. I mean, no, it's not ideal to send one of your players in division, but if someone wants to give you a first-round pick and everyone's giving you a third, I mean, 
it would just be a bad move, bad business savvy, unless you're trading the best player ever, which why would you be trading them? It's illogical. Um, so yeah, you go get what you can get. Now the first trade happened with Montez Sweat. I think this was the expected one. And just to bring it behind the curtain, the thought process on it, I think they were very transparent about what they were looking to do, which is, oh, we win this game against the Eagles, which they were competitive to start the game. And the last game prior against the Eagles, they actually were extremely competitive, uh, had a chance to win it at the last second. But they lost to the Eagles. And what do you do? You say, okay, we're trending in the wrong direction. We know we're going to have some seed change. There's guys who are on the books that are going to cost us money. Sorry about that. I'm a little under the weather. But there's guys who are going to cost us money on the books. There's a situation where we can get draft capital to replace those guys because we're not planning on re-signing them. So they traded Montez Sweat. Again, that was the expected one. But they traded him to the Bears. Now, that's an interesting one. I'm going to get back to the Bears in a second on the loop back for a second-round pick, I believe. They traded Chase Young to the 49ers uh, for a third-round pick. Now, you're like, Chase Young's better than Montez Sweat. Look, sometimes you just make the deal you can make, okay? Um, Let's go ahead and get this out of the way. The 49ers did a great job here. And what do I mean by that? You acquire talent when talent's offered, especially if it's for a reasonable price, and especially if you have a plan of action with it. Yeah, the 49ers have some positions that could be upgraded, uh, namely quarterback. But you know what's really awesome? Getting someone opposite of Joey Bosa, uh, Nick Bosa, I should say, who is not as good, but damn sure he physical freak of a football player and also they played together for a couple of years at Ohio State maybe they know how to play off of each other they have a relationship sometimes that stuff matters you're like well didn't they already trade for Randy Gregory Randy Gregory has a lot of talent but Randy Gregory has never been a high echelon or upper echelon football player in the NFL he's had some spurts some good games but he just hasn't consistently produced Randy Gregory is that splash third down rush guy or maybe they even use that NASCAR package and have him on the outside and bump a guy like Chase Young or Joey Bo- uh, Nick Bosa inside just to really wreak havoc on the opposition. Now, speaking of the quarterback, I do want to make this statement, and I'm going to make this comment because I'm not scared to ever make comments. Um, I don't like when people make suggestions without a solution. I don't personally do that when I have a suggestion I usually have a solution and I try to fully form a scenario I don't like hot takes that aren't I don't like hot takes as a means to um, function I think hot takes are something that you should do once in a while Uh, if you live on all adrenaline you're gonna eventually die and I don't mean soon I mean I mean later I mean sooner um so the comment of they're upgrading the wrong position. They need to be upgrading quarterback. I think it's reasonable to say who's an upgrade to Purdy right now, given several factors. Number one, Purdy has not played bad football for this team. We knew what Brock Purdy was. Brock Purdy's not an elevator. Brock Purdy is a guy who operates extremely well in the system that's offered. The system currently is broken. You have a coming back from injury, not 100%, but close to it, 
Christian McCaffrey. And by 100%, I mean mid-season 100%. You have a Debo Samuel who's still out. He's a catalyst for a lot of the things that they do in conjunction with, with Chris McCaffrey. McCaffrey stirs the pot behind the line of scrimmage. Usually Debo stirs the pot past the line of scrimmage. And no Trent Williams. So you're asking a guy who you don't believe in to elevate past that. He's not gonna. But it's also midseason. So who are you going to trade for? Also, it's not Madden football. You can't just make a trade happen, number one. And number two, a guy gets there. It's not going to immediately hit unless the guy's familiar with the system. Whether it's Jameis Winston or it's Kobe Brissett or a guy who was just trading to Josh Dobbs, you have to make sure that there's some sort of fit. And why? And what looks to be a very, very quarterback-rich draft. Would you do that? Would you give up additional capital for a guy who, honestly, none of those guys I just named are your future? It's the truth. Dobbs is not your future. He wasn't even on a roster to start the season until, and I mean preseason, as an actual viable candidate until Arizona made the move with Cleveland to get him there. Jacoby Brissett, probably the best backup quarterback in the NFL. Still can't get on the field, but he has his limitations as well. Three, Jameis Winston. Jameis is probably the most physically gifted backup quarterback that's not a quote-unquote young backup quarterback. But James, Jameis has an, uh, an attitude to him that some people don't find favorable. He's really like you know, comedic and likes to have fun. That's not a negative. I think that fits in better with some cultures than it does with what the 49ers look like they want to do and how Kyle, Kyle Shanahan operates from their quarterback. Okay? That's just my opinion on it. It doesn't make it fact. I like facts. Facts are things that are repeatable that anyone can access. Like, who won the Super Bowl last year? The Kansas City Chiefs, 38-35. That's a fact. What I say are opinions that I feel are fairly supported and educated, and I try my best to apply logic to them. By the way, logic does not mean truth. Logic means looking for a pattern to try to develop the best course of action based on what's offered. That's what's logic. That, that's logic to me. That's what you do. You try to figure out the situation as best offered. And since there's no one who's willing to trade uh, Joe Burrow, or hell, even Kirk Cousins, who's now on AIR and done for the season... There weren't any clear substitutes for Brock Purdy. So, my advice to folks, if you're going to have a take, be able to follow that take through. Don't just say it, because it's funny. Um, Now, as far as what the Bears did with the acquisition of Montez Sweat, tell me something weird, because I looked at their schedule. The Bears are currently 2-6, and and they have a better chance of getting the number one overall pick than making the playoffs. Reason being... I think the best they could finish if they really do win all the games against teams that they're that aren't much better than them, they can go nine and eight. That could get you in the playoffs. By the way, they have to play Detroit twice, and Detroit has proven to be the best team in that division. I did not think they were I thought they were the best team in the division, but I thought that they were gonna suffer some this year from some of the bloated beliefs. Sometimes teams fall apart because of that. Kudos to them for sticking it out, sticking it together. And they've done an excellent job. 
Chicago's not beating them either time. So now they're two and eight. If you're being really honest about it, they're probably a six and eleven team, and that's actually not an insult. Seven and ten, six and eleven, those are about right, even with Justin Fields coming back. They have holes. But what this tells me based on that is that they're gonna keep the coaching staff in place. They want Eberflus to have a chance to build whatever he wants to build on defense. They have 1,000% been trying to do that. And this is another thing where they're leaning into it. Um, that's all that tells me. Um, this is not a play for this year except to get some of the pieces right. And then you can negotiate the contract as necessary with a guy like Montez Sweat. Now... Some other transactions that happen that are helpful. Um, I told you earlier the Vikings traded for Josh Dobbs, or at least I alluded to it. Josh Dobbs is now a Viking. It was very weird, but also very transparent that they benched him for performance based on the last game when I watched part of that game. He didn't look bad at all. Uh, he had some bad moments, but if you're judging him on a Mahomes or even at Lamar Jackson scale, yeah, you should judge him harshly. But this is a dude who was the third-string quarterback to start the season in Cleveland. He got traded for him. I think he's done an excellent job based on the circumstances offered. And that's why he's going to be the starting quarterback in Minnesota for the rest of the year. Kudos to you, Josh Dobbs. Good dude. Glad he's got this opportunity. And hopefully he can parlay it into at least a more prominent spot starter slash really tenured, respected backup quarterback. If you can be a backup quarterback in the NFL for like 12 to 15 years, you are eating. That's a beautiful position to be in. But even if you're able to be a spot starter for a couple of years, maybe you get one big boom contract. Great job. So I'm very happy for Josh Dobbs. And it keeps that team engaged, even though I don't think they're going much anywhere. I think they're still a 7-10 and 10 to eight and nine at the best team with Dobbs. I mean, maybe they could have done a little better with Cousins, but even with Cousins, I didn't think they were much better than that. A couple of other uh, transactions. The Lions actually traded for uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones. Now, this one's a sneaky one to me. I don't think that the Lions have faith in what's going on with their receiving core. Myron St. Brown is a Myron St. Brown. He is a beast. He is a PPR format uh, destroyer. Hell, he's a non-PPR uh, formatted destroyer from a fantasy football perspective. And he is their number one pass tar- uh, catching option. Uh, he's an excellent receiver to have there for a guy like Jared Goff. Very timing oriented, accurate when kept clean. But he's not a take over the game number one receiver. That's just not what he does. That's not intended to be an insult. That's the general belief. And also, if you watch enough football, there's some guys who break the system. Amara St. Brown does not break the system. Hell, Cooper Cup, who's a better version of Amara St. Brown, doesn't break the system. Tyreek Hill breaks the system. Um, A.J. Brown breaks the system. Justin Jefferson, uh, Jamar Chase. Those guys break the system. Devontae Adams back in the day. Those guys break the system. Hell, even DeAndre Hopkins, who had a renaissance. But outside of that, they had a guy take time away uh, from the field and Marvin Jones Sr. And hope things are well with you. I have no clue, no intel, no insight. But when people have to take time away from something, my advice would be to give them 
some grace and say, hope things are going well. That would be my advice. So whatever he's going through and whatever he's dealing with, I hope it's going well. You got Jameson Williams, who I think they want to use more as a take the top off gadget guy at this stage because it seems like the time off has made him lose some of the nuance that he had as a route runner and a separator. He can still run the goes, but he doesn't look like the same clean route runner he did at Alabama. You got a guy like Josh Reynolds, who is talented but inconsistent. So I think they bring in Donovan Peoples-Jones, who is an underrated wide receiver who fits what they want to do. You know, he can he can run block, but also and and that's a big deal in offenses like this one or Cleveland's or San Francisco. He can run block, but also he's able to get open. He's faster than you think, more agile than you think, and I think he's a great addition, especially when you need that number three receiver to do some work once things get going for Jamison Williams. Another big move, in my opinion, was the decision of the Buffalo Bills to acquire Rasul Douglas. Now, I think what they've seen is they need a guy who's going to know combinations. What do I mean by that? You have two young cornerbacks, you know, first couple of years, uh, Benford and Tyre Elam, who's finally getting on the field after being healthy scratches for multiple weeks. Those guys are still young. They're more talented in a lot of respects from a physical standpoint. Rasul Douglas, even coming out of West Virginia, was more of the heady cornerback, kind of like Marcus Peters, where they could man up, but their strength was they understood what was going on. Understood route combinations, tendencies of quarterbacks. That's why a guy like Marcus Peters got that pick six, baiting Jared Goff. Rasul Douglas can do some of the same stuff. I think he's going to be helpful when they end up playing certain quarterbacks. Let's just go ahead and say that the young guys, if they end up in the playoffs, whether it's from the South, a guy like Trevor Lawrence or CJ Stroud, if they end up playing one of those guys, I think that it's going to end up being poor for them. He can even pick off guys like Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, etc. They needed an addition to stabilize that cornerback room, and Rasul Douglas is a good one for a Packers team that's trading, trading, trading the wrong way right now. And the final one that I saw was the addition of the Jacksonville Jaguars trading for an offensive lineman. Oh, my goodness. Uh, off the top of my head, I'm going I'm to have to look this one up. Uh, give me a second. Well, try to look it up real quick. Um, well, they basically traded for an offensive guard. The Jacksonville Jaguars did from the Vikings. Um, I like what they're trying to do here. Um, no matter what you think about Trevor Lawrence, some people are very high on him. Some people are very low on him. But at the end of the day, you try your best to help out young quarterbacks. He's technically still a young quarterback, third year, by protecting them and getting them pieces to which they can uh, utilize, uh, whether it's pass catchers, wide receivers, tight ends, or running backs. So I like that they're trying to do that, strengthen their their their, their offense for that stretch run, because they're probably likely to win that division and make the playoffs. All right. I want to pivot real quick to some of the stuff that I discussed last week on Weekside Wednesdays, but I'm going to keep it brief. A couple of things going to play here. So I talked about the young quarterback duel, the number one and number two overall picks going against each other. And I actually said that I thought the Panthers could get their chance to win their first big game and that Bryce Young would outplay CJ Stroud. I didn't watch the game. I'll start there. So I don't know if you outplayed him on the field, but 
with a team that was trending in the wrong direction playing against a team that was trending in the right direction it seemed like Bryce Young showed up and I did see that last drive when on fourth down making big throws Bryce Young is still that guy no matter how you want to frame it and that's not a slide at C.J. Stroud because C.J. Stroud's been that guy this year multiple weeks so I'm glad to see that both of those young men are trending well doing well and being supported by their organizations I also wanted to discuss this one point um I've seen a lot of this stuff, and I've already been honest about this. When the situation happened with Deshaun Watson, I heard way too many people being very polar. Some positive, some negative. Some people who were like, he did nothing wrong. Okay, that's a theory, but that's not likely considering that there were so many people accusing him of something. Then there were people, he should go to jail for 20 years and all this. He didn't commit a technical crime, or if he did, it was a much lower level crime. What he did would be better considered to be immoral or ethical based on your own standard of morals and ethics than criminal activity, which is why he didn't even sniff going to jail. You know anything about the law, which I don't know a lot, but I know this. Criminal proceedings require much more than civil. Civil can be honestly, they usually settle that super quick or at least try to because it can be drawn out and the burden of proof is much lighter than it is on the criminal for, for criminal charges. Moving past that, that was a couple of years ago now, or at least a little while ago. I've heard people use this take and I think that it's completely ridiculous because it's illogical. I'm going to tell you why I think it's illogical. The take that they're using is Deshaun Watson's resting on his laurels because he has a fully guaranteed contract. Let's take out the mental aspect of the game that these guys in general, I'm using them as a monolith, have been busting their ass to be good at this sport since they were five, six, seven, whatever years old. And now they're at the top of the, 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 the mountaintop. These dudes don't just go rest on their laurels as a monolith. There are definitely players who would do it, but the ones who've been excellent for a very long time, their freaking ego won't let them do that. So let's get that out of the way for the people who never played a damn down of football or the last time you played was in junior high and then you clapped through varsity because you didn't get to get on the field. And yes, I'm saying that because again, the mindset is different. Okay, but let's go past that. Let's go to the whole Fully guaranteed, so resting on his laurels. Let's say there's some legs to that. You know why there's no legs to it? I'm going to give you an example. You know who has a fully guaranteed contract also right now? Jimmy Garoppolo. And every other starting quarterback for the most part in the NFL. Their contract this year, barring them doing something that specifically voids parts of their contract, their contract is guaranteed. Generally, what happens is if you sign a four-year deal, the first two years or so, maybe three, but it's usually two, with that third being kind of a floater and the fourth being artificial money to make the contract be pumped up, then you have the big cap hit there and you renegotiate to get more money up front and push that cap number back so you can bring in more players. Okay, so those first year, that first year for sure, maybe two, is 
guaranteed damn money. Deshaun Watson sat out not just one or two games like he has. If he sat out for the season, that would still be in the in, in the view of, in vain of, that money was guaranteed for everyone who would have done the same thing. If he's doing this same thing next year and hasn't played a down for the rest of the season, I'll then believe what you're saying. But let's go back to what he said about this and then support it with actual information. Deshaun Watson was medically cleared. There are people who work in this industry that are highly respected. I'm going to name check one, Stefania Bell. There is a difference between medical clearance and return of performance. He was medically cleared because there's a level of stability in the shoulder that supports the ability for him to go play. Deshaun Watson can't operate like Deshaun Watson. Okay? He's tried to. And all he's done when he's gotten on the field is hurt his team and it does not look right. Now you can say that, oh, well maybe it's because he's not in the, his head's not in the game or whatever. Even if that's true, maybe it's all together. He's got the mental aspect of the game of not playing that well. And there's a decent sect of people who honestly are rooting for him to fail. I'm not even going to judge you on that. To be honest, do what you need to do, boo-boo. I'm not rooting for the guy to fail. I'm just also not going to stand here and stand on a hill for a dude. But I don't know. But what I will stand on is for an athlete who says, I'm not performing well. And I don't want to hurt my team. Me being out there hurts my team. You saw his play when he was out there. He looked like boo-boo. Couldn't drive the ball. And if there's also the mental aspect of it, guess what? Now he's endangering himself and others. Because you know what quarterbacks do? Usually not Deshaun Watson, but the quarterbacks who uh, get a little uh, happy feet feeded in the pocket, they throw what we call hospital balls. And if Deshaun Watson can't drive the ball and he's throwing hospital balls, his teammates go to... Surprise, the hospital. All in all, take a step back from your take and your personal feelings about the guy and actually consider that maybe he's telling the truth. People want to use their personal feelings as support for their points instead of actually just saying the point is the point. Take your personal feelings out of it. You can even say, not a Deshaun Watson fan, blah, blah, blah. But at least make the take make sense. You're going to actually go on shows or TV and say, you know, maybe he's just resting on his laurels because he has a fully guaranteed contract. It doesn't make any sense. What you're saying does not make sense. This is not a Ben Simmons situation where it's several years or a couple of years down the road and he still has not played a down. Or in that case, a play on the court. This is a guy who's literally tried to get back, got out there and looked like boo-boo and said, I got to shut this down again. I got I... the human body is not as simple as people want to believe it is. So I just want to get because that it frustrates me to watch how people operate in many places in life. People do this stuff. And again, the number one thing they don't do is give grace to the possibility that maybe someone's telling the damn truth just because you don't like the person does not mean that they're not telling the truth. All right, that's all the topics I wanted to talk to talk about today from a football standpoint. There's one other topic I want to discuss. Um, you know, I enjoy doing this. Um, 
I've been doing a version of this since 2009 with, um, now it's chopping it up with CJ, um, and it's season three of this, but prior to that even happening, um, I would do, uh, five with five at one point. And basically I would take five games and I'd assess them in five minutes. Or I do my fantasy football show, or not fantasy football, um, my draft show. So I would assess players, and this is going back to Blog Talk Radio back in 2013, 14, 15, where I'd have callers call in. I don't remember the number specifically, but I know it was like 323-289, something or other, like 1489 or something like that. Um, And I love doing it. Uh, I put a lot of effort, heart, soul, and research into that to try to assess players coming out of college, even when I wasn't as good as I could be now. You know, I was just trying to make it. Um, And I put a lot of effort into this. Um, I put a lot of effort to try to make these shows as good as possible, uh, give you good information as much as possible. But sometimes you can't. And I'm happy to say that the word permanent is not in this announcement. But I'm sad to say the announcement, which is after today's show, there will be an indefinite pause to the Chopping It Up with CJ podcast. Um, When it returns, I hope to have a better version of the show and a different version of the show one of the aspects I'm hoping to have by that time is some video but I have things that I need to tend to and take care of um, and like I said it, it does pain me to have to call for an indefinite pause um, yeah it's, uh, it's an interesting space and place to be in um Yeah. So I will give details when I can. And like I said, the great thing is it's not permanent, but it is indefinite because I don't have an actual specific date of when the return will happen. But it's been fun. Uh, I've enjoyed doing this podcast, um, even though it feels like it's only a couple of people who listen per week. Or per show, I should say, but, you know, hell, even if I'm just talking to myself, I enjoy talking about football. If you've ever met me in person, uh, people will say I, my face lights up when we start talking about football. It's a charge for me. It's something that I care about. Um, there's a lot of things I care about in life, even if it's uh, some people might not believe that I care as much as I do, because sometimes I'm uh, I go from stoic to you know, zero to a hundred is the way that people describe it sometimes, but, uh, I do care a shit ton about football and the products that I put out. I try to make them the best possible. So with no specific date of return, this is Chris James signing off for episode seven of Weekside Wednesdays here in season three of the Chopping Up with CJ podcast. Overall, episode number 28, my advice to you would be 
to always try, um, give effort. Um, I know this is basic advice, but life is basically basic advice because there's complications that hit you from left and right. So the more you keep things simple, the better. Hell, even the human body operates in that space where it's doing so much behind the scenes to keep you pumping and going forward that it just wants you to do simple things also. Um, So that's my best advice I can give. Take care um, and enjoy the rest of your week. Bye-bye.